Hi, and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. So let's say you die and you're mad about it and you're going to be a ghost now and kill people because, you know, as angry ghosts are wont to do, what object are you haunting? Ooh, I have a really dumb one. I don't know if you all remember these, but back in like 2010, there was like a fad of pet collars that were electronic (laughs) and they would tweet for your pet. Shut the fuck up. I don't remember that at all. That's hilarious. Yeah, they were very unsuccessful. So the chance of someone getting this cursed object, very slim. But that one one time I get to haunt someone and tweet (laughs) for their pet... (laughs) I would have so much fun with that. Because people like all know that their cat would probably kill them if they ever got the opportunity. (laughs) But I can actually tell them their cat is going to kill them. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. So wait, are you warning? Are you a ghost that's hanging out warning people about murder cats? Or are you letting them know via cat collar that you're going to kill them? Yes, I'm going to kill them under the guise of their cat. Okay, just so we're clear, (laughs) this is a very convoluted haunting, but I'm here for it. It is very, very convoluted. What about you, Allie? I'm going to haunt a building. Oh, okay. It's a little cheat for the topic. What kind of of building? A school building. Okay. Oh, because (laughs) I wonder why that would be. I want to pass judgment on what teachers and students I like and don't like. The ones I don't like, I'll trip in the halls. Just make them have a bad day. Like, they put their bag, I'll push it over into a little puddle. Mm. Like, just obnoxious things. And oh, the ones so I, you're, you're thinking, like, classic poltergeist here. Oh, yeah. And the ones I like, I'll be like, no, that's... Oh, they're writing their test, and I, like, just guide the pencil to the right math answer a little bit. Oh my god, you're helping them cheat! (laughs) I was trying to think, I don't want someone to get rid of me. I want to permanently be there and wear somewhere that is going to be occupied by a lot of people that I could fuck with for the rest of my life. Prove your worth as a ghost. I love that. Wow. I'm a needy ghost and I need to be interacted with. So I figured it's a good solution. We've uncovered some uh, self esteem and attention issues. (laughs) I do like that. Aren't you the middle child? (laughs) Oh, God. It's so true. I do like that you chose like the white bread of like hauntings. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to haunt a building like most ghosts. It's true, but it's still the best haunting. I mean, we appreciate the classics. I'm not going for personal. I wouldn't haunt a person because that fucks them over no matter where they move. And it's like not somewhere you live. So people come in and out and then they move on. So I'm not permanently ruining someone's life. I'm okay permanently ruining someone's life. Yeah, I do that now. (laughs) It it depends on the person, obviously, but Mm. I feel like there. I can think of specific people whose lives Mm -hmm. I would like to ruin, honestly. Mm. So fair people's yes. Jasper, what would you haunt? So this is a really annoying one for me because what I would really want to haunt is like like a cast iron pot. Mm. Why? Allie's looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. They last forever, and you mm. can pass them down within True. your family, and they're super easy to take care of, and, like, all the best food is cooked in cast iron because of the way that it evenly distributes heat. Do you try and murder people who try and put you in the dishwasher? <laughs> I love that energy. Salt scrub only! <laughs> No, so what I was thinking was I would, like, fall off the stove and break people's feet. Oh. Oh. But being a ghost, I can't inhabit an iron object. So I'm, you know, I'm just sort of left at a loss here of what else I would Mm. be Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. And the only other thing I can think is that I would probably live on in one of my millions of stupid rocks that I've collected over the past few years. Not really sure which one, though. Ooh, live inside a crystal like a Power Rangers villain. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe like that one um, sulfur quartz point yes. that I have. And, like, if you look at it at the right angle, my face is in there distorted. Your ghostly <laughs> visage. I look like um, Amy's mom in Buffy on the on the trophy. Ooh, yes. But, like, less in pain and more like, I'm going to get you, bitch. I love that. So we have a cat collar, a fucking building, 
and either a cast iron pot or a crystal. I love these. Well, hey, hey, let's be fair. It's a it's a school. It's yeah. a school. It's, it's true. It's not just it's not just a building. Come on. <laughs> We're not trying to come for Allie that hard. It's true. <laughs> Today's episode is season 1, episode 19, Provenance. The one where the boys rub elbows with the bourgeoisie. This episode was written by Danny Ehrman and directed by Philip Scritchia. It originally aired on April 13th, 2006. Where the fuck do these, like, one-off characters in the cold open get off being so hot? Like, what the fuck is their problem? Like, man, that lady was just... This was weirdly relevant today because we had been re-laughing about the first episode and, like, the imposed horniness of it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they were really horny, weren't they? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and this was kind of like a reminder, like, we're still, like, a sexy show. We're a sexy show for adults. Well, especially in the cold opens, I'm like, that's the place to put the sexiness because people who haven't seen the show yet, you want to hook them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did like the very, like, she's like, if you don't hurry up, I'm going to get started without you. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, like, with all your clothes on and, like, under the covers. (laughs) Yeah. She, like, was still, like, in her fucking dress or something. No, no, no. It was a negligee. A negligee. Oh. But what bothered me was she had, like, a push up bra on on it still. I was like, uh, like, I get it, but, uh. But also, she was still like really hot though yeah i love the idea that spending money specifically spending money on creepy paintings makes them horny yeah and i like actually the fact that you mentioned that i felt like there were several moments in this episode where they were sort of pushing like an indictment of wealthy people yes yes yeah i actually saw this i was like oh it's i literally wrote down like oh it's murdering rich people we can move on let's work on the next case (laughs) One of them was a sweet little old lady. True. Mm. Are we ready to talk about this smash cut, though? Yes. Instead of instead of getting a phone call, he was getting a phone number. Yeah, I wanted to ask you all if that counts towards our, like, running total of them being on the th- phone. I don't think it counts. I don't, I don't think, think so, so either. Because it's not where the case came from. Her top was so pretty and sequined and, like, such an out-there design. Are you talking about, like, the green... Yeah. I hated that top. That was Jasper. like my one fashion no-no. I thought that this was... whole episode. I, I really it... liked her friends with like the 70s wave and she yeah. was wearing like the baby blue innerwear. It's outerwear tank top that had the cream lace. Oh my yeah, God. For the green sequence girl, I wrote down Five Cent Mermaid. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> yeah, it had that horrible like brown floral yeah. whatever going on. Allie, I'm surprised at you. I... I don't know how to justify this. It was, I just thought it was very cute. Is it something I would wear in this time period, like 2021? No. Yeah. Not at all. But I thought, <laughs> well, I mean, that's a relief, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we record, I'm going to show up in that exact one. No. Make you look at it the whole night. It's going to no. be a, a live video, but you all can only see Allie. So you can <laughs> So I actually was a little sad because. Obviously, I've seen all of the Dean is by memes, Mm -hmm. but as only having seen this far into the series, I've kind of been a season one, like, gay Dean, because up to this point, I haven't really seen anything about him being bisexual until this. Yeah, this is the first time, like, overtly we're shown that he has had a hookup. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like, gross about it. Yeah, he's looking pretty rough, too. Really? I didn't think he was looking that bad. I don't think, like, physically he was looking bad, but his posture and just, like, he was looking rough. (laughs) Oh, I see what you mean. Does that make sense? I think, okay, this is, like, I didn't really want to talk about this while we were recording, but I guess we'll do it. This is, like, what I was saying earlier, like, how you can tell it's a Sam episode because of how Dean Mm -hmm. is acting right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very, like... I'm going to be hitting on so many women and I'm being a goofball idiot. And what I say earlier, a Neanderthal. Yes. Yeah. That's essentially. Yeah. Although the wacky, like yeah. physical humor stuff. It's like super physical and is kind of the, like the thing that gets like a ha 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 laugh. Like just this. What? Like, what now? Ha 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 ha. I dropped the mic. Okay. (laughs) 
I swear this is not the roast of Allie. That's not what I'm trying to make this episode. I am. I've only taken allergy meds twice in my life. And now... Those are non-drowsy. You have no excuse. Okay, this is just me. Okay. Okay, get it together, guys. Get it together. Now I gotta readjust and all this shit. I will rein it in to say that... The whole, the way people were dressed in this beginning sequence and just this time period and like being at that bar definitely reminded me of like the 2000s does the 70s. That was so mm. popular back then. Yeah, that's exactly mm. what that was. Yeah. Even with Sarah, because she had like that ascot at one point, mm-hmm. she was wearing the mock neck. I'm trying to think what else, but it was very... um like retro chic yes and her hair it wasn't beehive but it was a similar like updo that's mm-hmm. styled and like almost uh twisted around yeah, the, i walk to remember pin back yes oh my gosh <laughs> even her pigtails the way they were styled mm-hmm. with the um like the loose curl bang i think it was meant to invoke that sort of like late 60s early 70s mm-hmm. kind of like whimsy energy mm-hmm. and actually yeah we get that like a smack on the head of that at the hotel room which we'll talk about later mm-hmm. but are we just talking about the clothes now absolutely loved her lbd yes Mm -hmm. and like the matching chandelier earrings with the necklace Mm -hmm. that was such a classy look she is so fucking gorgeous sarah's perfect in every scene i liked her little puffy cheeks Mm. oh my god yeah (laughs) and her dumb little upturned nose god i just wanna i just wanna I just want to smooch it. <laughs> Even so when cute. she has just like a blue long sleeve shirt, she still has like the matching necklaces that look oh. really good with it. Yeah, and, and there was that camel blazer too. Yeah. That was that was so great. I would love to yes. get away from like that weird dark brown mm-hmm. tone that was so popular then. No. Yeah. Camel. Camel, please. Um, by the way, that actress is named Taylor Cole. And she was also in the originals as Sofia mm. Voronova and CSI Miami as Samantha Owens. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah. So I know this was not <laughs> the end of her career. That's good. Good. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, she also had, what else did I, what else did I make note of with her outfit? She was wearing Buffy blue. She was. She was wearing the Buffy baby blue. <laughs> I about lost my mind over that, to be honest. I'm like ruined for baby blue now. All I can think of is Sarah Michelle Geller. So I don't know if it's just because this is a Sam episode and we got so many zoom ins. Is this the first time his sideburns have been that bad? Yes. Yeah. Oh, they were gross. His, his bangs were so straightened too. Yeah. And I think maybe that was part of it. Like they were more pronounced because of the way the rest of his hair was. Mm-hmm. It was not great styling in my opinion. And like the makeup was really cakey on everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. The makeup was rough. There were some good shirts though, other than Sarah's outfit. We had we had the the purple plaid mm-hmm. the purple plaid Dean shirt which is one of my faves. Yes. No purple dog shirt though. No. It really, nothing can really get up to the level of the purple dog shirt the for me. I'm so shirt. glad you've experienced the purple dog shirt now, <laughs> Jordan. So I can just be like, purple dog shirt. It was all I could think about in that episode. I hated it so much. No, what? it's the best. No, you're wrong. See, that's how we can really tell you're not a Sam girl is because you're not obsessed with the purple dog shirt. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I'm going to be looking for it in every episode. (laughs) The woman who was murdered, the older woman, I did love how they're like, this is a rich woman. So what we'll do? Black turtleneck next to a Tiffany lamp. There you go. Oh my That's God. all you need to right? say she's rich. Well, they right? had they had to sh- hide her neck, though. Yeah. So. Well, I get it. I just love how those yeah. were the only two things you could really see, and they went... Black is always chic. It, always. Oh, I am... Yes. When I lived in Italy, I only ever wore black. I feel like here... It says something a little different here than it does there, but I am all for black. Her haircut was pretty chic, too. Like, I, mm-hmm. I would still rock that. It's very close to the hair I have right now. Oh, the old lady? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh um, speaking of Sarah being gorgeous, I love her um, entrance mm. as a character. It's very, like, princess vibes. It's so, like, Cinderella, like, walking down the stairs. Or, like, I even thought of, um, they use the same trope in Harry Potter Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah. When Emma Watson is showing up to the ball it's like 
like everything is focused on her like coming down yeah. the stairs and she's just like here's my little itty bitty smile and i'm like there it is you're so pretty i actually really liked her as a character we talk about agency a lot she had a lot of agency and actually fought for her own agency yeah, yeah. she did and i loved how she entered a scene fucking with a man to tell if he was like good enough talk knows his shit um because that's one of my favorite things to do when i'm drunk not on purpose but i will talk to people to see if i don't like them and if i don't i'll like lure them into know enough that i then hate them that's your a scorpio cha- moon yeah thing. your chaotic water sign energy <laughs> is just like i love how different our charts are even though we're both virgos like <laughs> We're both sneaky, not Virgos. Like, you're a Virgo sun and everything else is water. So you're just, like, mud over there. You're like, mud. You're mud. Yeah. You're wet. You're wet dirt. You're mud. People unsuspecting step into a sneaky sinkhole. I would prefer to be wet sand if I'm being anything. You're well, mud. Well, whatever. Don't. <laughs> anyway, I'm hot dirt. <laughs> I'm burning toesies over here. You're that crispy dirt that crumbles. Yep. Why can't I be like wet topsoil? (laughs) Allie's like, but I wanted to be loam. You could be like the marshes in England where they find like dead bodies that have been there for 400 years. Oh my God, I thought you said marshes and I literally almost turned over and said, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, (laughs) Marsha. Literally half of the reason I'm going to Scotland is for the bogs. Mm -hmm. That's so on brand for you. Okay, maybe we'll talk about the actual episode, yes. though. I'm interested, um, let's rewind all the way back to the bar scene. I'm interested in how um, Sam in this scene, he's he's doing the more researchy thing, which becomes like a trope where Sam is the one mm-hmm. looking for the cases or finding the cases or whatever, while Dean is being a goofball. What's different is that he is taking the time to be impressed vocally with John and John's, like, skills insofar as piecing together patterns, which is something that we've really only seen Dean do before Mm. and something that makes me uncomfortable given that the past two episodes have all been about how John is horrible. Yeah, so I actually had that same thought, too. The last time we had seen John, we thought it was Dean that was going to have, like, the big crybaby, like, no, you can't go moment. And that actually ended up being Sam. Mm-hmm. And I think he's still kind of reliving, like, a little bit of that trauma through, I think, obsessing with his dad's work. Which is really unfortunate, because, yeah, his dad sucks. Plus, it's just, like, honestly kind of shitty to just, like, leave little morsels of cleanups that they have to do after John. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, like, it's so funny to me. Because, like, there's all this shit in this in this journal of, like, you know, oh, this is, like, related to a case he started and didn't finish. And they, they spend so much time talking about how great he is putting these things together. But, like, if he's so great, why the fuck didn't he deal with it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've only had one case so far where the boys had to walk away from it. Yeah. They've finished. They've resolved every other one. Two, technically. Oh, crap. Because there was bugs, which we are once again bringing up. <laughs> I think I've wiped that from my memory. <laughs> I want to. And then there was Hell House. Mm. Yes. But yeah, their um, their track record seems to be... Pretty good. Pretty g- A lot better than their dads, mm-hmm. given mm-hmm. the information that we're provided. Though I guess their dad has had over 35 years of hunting. So. True. No, less no, than that, 25. No, no, no. No, like... 22 22 23 what a noob yeah because it'll only be as uh you know as many years old as sam is but anyway 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 yeah i know we had talked about the 2000s do the 70s i like they go to that hotel room and they like for the first time make like a point to show you how wacky the hotel room was with like the the disco fever do not disturb tag and my favorite thing about that though is that they never that's it they have nothing to do with the episode at all and we've had so many weird ass places they've stayed. They just like they've mm-hmm. never done this. Well, like also you think being like, you know, travelers, like they've probably stayed at so many like tacky hard rock mm-hmm. cafe style. Like they yeah, seem like, so, so aghast. Why is it, so why is it this that's like bothering them? Like, why weren't they bothered by the place in Texas that was like literally covered in the Hell House <laughs> one, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like horns and Taxidermy whatever. Oh, and then the other the one in Nightmare 
there that was like all camo and had like 10 different yeah. sets of antlers on the wall or whatever yeah, I was so shocked. I was like, such a weird moment. And I thought I was going to get called back to, but we don't right, even see it no. again. Right. And the only other thing that's particularly 70s about the episode is the styling of some of the female characters. So it's yeah. just like, question mark? I guess there's one, one of the the murders in the journal was in the 70s or in, uh, in 1970. Yes, maybe. correct. But other than that, it just seemed like a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about the auction? itself Mm -hmm. yes yeah other than sarah blake's entrance Mm -hmm. i i love this as like i know and i know it's like still in line with the whole it's a sam episode so dean's being an idiot thing but i still really love how they characterize him in this just with the constant Mm -hmm. snacking yes I do. I like the consistency of um, Dean being like, you know, constantly taking advantage of any like free thing he can. And like, you can see like this has been his life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of in-between stuff, the attention to detail that I really like in shows yeah. like this. Yeah. And I think given the setting um, and the way he expresses disdain for rich people mm-hmm. yeah. in the moment, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Even, like, so much as, like, uh, mistaking the owner of the auction oh for a waiter. That gave me secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. It was so funny because I thought at first that it was an estate sale combined with a funeral. Because I've been to, like, what auctions <laughs> and, like, thing- and estate sales and stuff like that. And never has everyone been dressed in black. Like, I know they're supposed to look rich, but this isn't just how rich people dress. Like, it's a very specific attire in this one. And I'm sure these things happen in special cases, but as soon as I saw that there's food and then everyone's in black, I could not get over the fact that it wasn't an estate sale combined with a funeral, which I think is a really fun idea. You could show (laughs) how much you like someone by how much you're willing to spend on their belongings. Ah! Like to pay back the funeral costs. Oh my god, I yeah. love that concept. It's also kind of funny to me that they were like, "Oh, you're not fancy looking, so you must not belong here," because like Jordan knows rich people—they don't mo- spend their money. Yeah, no, and they don't like look nice a mm-hmm. lot of the time. They just Mm-mm. dress like normal jabronis. And uh- unless it's like a charity event, like those aren't the people who show up to these auctions and stuff. Right. They're people whose job is to kind of be the middleman and go search for certain. Yeah, that was my thing. Like it, rich people don't go to these things yeah. themselves unless they're pa- like passionate about or in the area they send people to do it for them that's why i couldn't believe it was this like unless it's a charity event we'll say though from previous episodes we do know that sam and dean keeps like nice suits in their trunk like they could have busted it out for this i feel and blended it better and it showed all the nice cars and panned over to the their car and it's covered in dirt and stuff and we know how particular dean is about it right yeah so it just felt like in incongruous also maybe it was different incongruous yeah incongruous with um like what we know about them as right right yeah no and it also was just funny to me that it was if we're talking about incongruity you know dean is always really into like the whole art of the con thing yes um and he really isn't trying very hard in that scene he's just like snacks yeah (laughs) but like which that's a vibe i understand but then he turns around and cons his own brother like 15 minutes later in the episode and like you have to kind of work hard at that with someone who knows you that well so i I was just like okay so then what was that at the auction you know yes i will say um we've already like i won't go into too much details we've already talked about um sarah coming in and the scene focusing on her but i do think it's really funny that anytime in an intro dean is asking sam why he doesn't want to get laid we know there's going to be a woman obsessed with sam in that episode right always yeah because there was the hook man and then the other one was um shadow Mm -hmm. yes yeah but I kind of understand it because I don't think Dean has the emotional capacities to know how to help his brother move on. So he's just like, wingman, I'll get you laid and then everything will be fixed. I don't know. I think 
I don't know if I would be that reductive about it. And the reason I say that is because the second, or maybe it's even the third time mm-hmm. he, like, gets on Sam's case about Sarah, he, like, completely j- drops the whole Joker mm-hmm. act. And that's not the first time in this episode. In the very first scene, he's talking to Sam about getting laid. Sam is like, what do you mean by that? And Dean totally drops it and says, nothing, don't worry about it. I kind of took it as, like, I don't mean to say that he's dumb or doing this in a way that's not thought out. It's kind of like he's someone who doesn't have the capacity to do anything else so he's trying to do whatever he can and like and clearly the intention is to help sam heal but what else can someone with poor emotional skills and without the language i mean i guess but he does say directly that he doesn't mean just getting laid he means oh, also yeah. having a relationship I know, but i think that's how dean like he can't push sam into a relationship the only way he knows how right. is to jokingly push him towards sex with somebody right and then expects the rest to happen or expects it to have some positive on dean or sorry sam because what else could he do that and also in this episode um it was very much we had talked about Dean conning Sam. Like, mm-hmm. s- there was actually use in the flirting this time in getting the mission done. Yeah. So Yeah, there's a lot of intent behind it all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if it was just random flirting, though, I don't think that would be that bad. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> like, it is kind of depressing to just have Sam be like, you know, all Simon and Garfunkel, I am a rock, <laughs> I am an island, yeah. you know? Yeah. Speaking of which, what did you guys think of that date scene? Or so, I guess it was a couple of scenes. There it, was a transition in the middle. I actually had a like a thought about this. We have like kind of seen Sam as a little bit of a sweet talker. Like Dean mm-hmm. even makes a point when they they get separated in one episode that like if Sam was yeah, here during Scarecrow, yeah. During Scarecrow, he's like if Sam was here, he would sweet talk you and you would mm-hmm. just fall for his like little buttery lashes or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what how people talk. What the fuck does talk, that mean? <laughs> but, but, and he's very bumbly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jordan. He talks about puppy eyes. Puppy eyes. Same thing. Buttery lashes. Buttery lashes. Maybe he lost all game with his sideburns. I didn't think he lost his game. I yeah. think he was just like actually nervous yes. and felt bad because it was like disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, especially, um, we find out towards the end of this episode that this episode is, like, pers- like about, like, a struggle Sam has happened, mm-hmm. like, with his personal relationships, so there is, like, a fear of yeah. opening up and letting people in. I will say, I did think it was a little heavy-handed, yeah. the delivery of Sarah talking about her mom. Yes. Um, yeah, she specifically is, like, talking about hiding like within herself and you know then figuring oh it's not what my mom would have wanted Mm -hmm. and then dean says almost exactly the same thing later when he when he is like okay but actually i'm not joking Mm -hmm. i am worried about you and blah 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 yes like it's just so (laughs) it's just it's so heavy-handed i don't know like i i understand that this isn't always like a super like deep show although it has the capacity to be complex a lot of the time but like this just felt very like come on don't treat your audience like we're stupid yeah and i feel like this isn't the first time they've done this with sam's character like i feel like they very much make his storylines a lot more less nuanced than Mm. they do dean's at least so far yes I will say, though, that I thought Nightmare was very complicated. There were a lot of things going on for Sam in that episode, so perhaps that's an exception. But no, this one was extremely cut and dry to the point of distraction at times. Absolutely. So I think if you after the date we kind of go to like a that research scene. Yeah. And I so I guess that they eventually come around on it, but. Did anyone else think it was like a little weird that they like specified that one that the daughter was adopted? I felt like I kind of already knew what was happening at that point. Oh, when when they were in the library and they were yeah. like, and this girl is adopted. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I think the way that it was sort of brushed over in conversation, like um, mm-hmm. maybe if they had lingered on it longer, it would have been a little more excessive. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I didn't mind it. I will say, though, the guy, the librarian, I'm so, I yes. love that guy. I love I love when they make the characters like this. So this is what I was expecting in Scarecrow when he goes to talk to PhD guy about yeah. the, the Vayner. Um, <laughs> the Vayner. <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't say that with a straight face. He's so fucking excited. He's so mm-hmm. pumped to nerd out. Like, finally, someone wants to hear about local history. Finally, someone wants to hear about this crazy barber mm-hmm. murderer. I was so glad they brought up the barber stuff, because why the fuck else would there be the razor blade at the front of the portrait? Right. Yeah. Um. So that really did grate on me at first, because I think you could get away with saying one of them's murdering them without putting the weapon in the picture. Right. But I did excuse it a little more once we got his backstory. Right. I also like about the portrait, I like that they kept saying it was a painting, but it was very obviously just like a sepia-toned photograph. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It looked very printed onto a canvas. Yes. Mm -hmm. Super funny to me. But, I mean, like... Eh. Yeah, I'm fine. That's, that's not that. the worst thing, especially because they had to move things around mm-hmm. in it a lot and whatever. Yeah. Okay, I just want to say real quick, good job, boys, for remembering to wear gloves yes. this time, this one and only time. <laughs> I'm. They probably do it again. Yeah. Some other time, but I literally don't remember. So, I'm glad because this place would have the money to like investigate. Yeah. Well, so it's not even just the remember to wearing gloves. Like, that whole, like, disarming the alarm, the way they mm-hmm. jumped the fence, they really seemed like professionals there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish that would be completely consistent in right. this show. Have them either be, like, complete goobers who don't know what they're doing or, like, really slick. Yeah. Or do like, you think it's because they're smart enough to know when they need to pull out those stops? That's a good point. I can justify it with that. Yeah. No, that's true. So my thing is, like, they obviously, we hadn't gotten any exposition for them scoping the place out. So, like, for me, I have to assume that they always Mm. have these skills. Yeah. So, yeah. I liked it, though. It was very cat burglar. Mm Mm-hmm. It yeah. reminded me of, like, a less idiotic version of Hookman. Yes. When they broke into the sorority house. <laughs> I like Catwoman, Dean, and Sam. Yes. Keep it around more. <clears throat> My biggest issue with the whole portrait thing was that there was no reason for them not to take the entire painting. Yeah, why yeah. did they have to cut it out? And, like, I think it was supposed to be for, like portability because they could roll it up but like if you're already busting it up like why Mm -hmm. not just smash the frame in half and then they would have realized immediately that it wasn't like it didn't work out like it grew back or whatever i just thought that whole plot device was really stupid and a lot of times expensive paintings will have an original frame yeah Yeah, that was my thought too yeah if the painting's cursed like you should probably take the frame (laughs) just in case nowadays your frame is from target like it doesn't matter so much ostensibly sam took art history class Mm -hmm. to pick pick up up girls girls. (laughs) so so they would have remarked on the frames, likely, in the class. And he clearly got information from it since he was able to mm-hmm. do some art history banter with Sarah. Is this a good time to talk about the lore of haunted paintings? I would love to mm-hmm. hear about the lore of haunted paintings, Allie. Thank you. Please bless us. <laughs> I'll try. So some people think that in paintings or photographs or things like that um or even on dolls if you replicate faces it can carry part of their soul like my grandma Mm -hmm. actually um we only have like one picture of her because she believed that and wouldn't let her picture be taken because of the face like a generation between you grandma yeah wow that's extremely superstitious it is and we even have dolls from her that don't have faces like hand-sewn dolls yeah um, and also, <laughs> I know it's a little bit strange. <laughs> there are also legends of the crazy artists, like quote unquote crazy artist. Sure. Putting blood into paintings, um, bone fragments, like literally pouring themselves into this. And I always think this is something like a little bit over the top. However, when I was in Chicago, we wandered, wandered into this place across from the big park. And we were looking at this painting it was really ugly, just kind of silvery and looked like kind of trash and looked at the card and it said like materials semen and spray paint that's fucking disgusting well didn't kurt cobain had has mm-hmm. famous paintings that were made out of semen 
so yeah that's also fucking disgusting yeah and let me just go out and say i don't care what kind of 90s feminism you think you're doing <laughs> but painting with period blood is also disgusting yeah yeah bodily fluids probably stay away from putting in paintings listen i'm all for form meeting function if there's a specific purpose to it fine i guess it's still gross. <laughs> I actually want to like bring up themes that we've already brought up because mm-hmm. with the portrait here, we kind of get a double whammy because it's like where liminal spaces meet Uncanny Valley. Mm. I kind of feel a little bit. That's interesting because when I was researching this one, um, Google Sites page about Google Arts and Culture is all about um, basically liminal spaces and areas and painting landscapes um, in paintings and those being a haunting image. Yeah, well, I mean, like, we talk about, like, mirrors being a portal because, mm-hmm. like, you're seeing the same thing reflected back. But, like, paintings could be a portal because you're literally seeing a still in time. That's making me think about the witches now. <laughs> I have a good historical example. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have either of you heard of the Crying Boy paintings? Mm-mm. Oh, no. this is one of my weirdest random things. Um, some weird podcast covers it. I really enjoy this story. So this painter, Giovanni um, Bragolin? a.k.a. Bruno Amadio, lived from 1911 to 1981, and he was a painter who made the Crying Boy series. Some people call it the Crying Gypsy Boy, but it has no connection to the Romani people. This is kind of a misinterpretation. He painted impoverished children on the streets of Italy. And in the 1980s, his paintings became mass-produced. Like, basically, at every home goods, you could buy his paintings. But to the point where his paintings were in countless homes. And so, in 1985, The Sun, clearly the best form of literature or reporting The Sun. Um, public- oh, I thought, I thought you meant, like, his son. Oh, no, 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 sorry. The Sun the newspaper Mm, mm -hmm. published a story about a couple whose house burned down and the painting was untouched. And in the article, they said that firefighters said this happens all the time, that countless times they'll go to um, places where the whole house burned down, except this painting was untouched. So it started becoming this urban legend and over several months, more and more people started talking about how this happened to them. One woman claimed that her three kids had died since having it, and it really became huge in English pop culture. Like, to the point where people were getting rid of this, the son even asked for people to send in their paintings. Oh my god. And had a burning of them. Oh my gosh. To try to get rid of the curse. That's so funny. So funny and out there. And this is something people still believe in today, some people. There are fan clubs for it. And it's said to be a boy whose parents died in the fire. Um, But to be clear, there is one that is the most famous of these paintings. There are some that are other children in the series that were in these houses. Gotcha. So Mm. usually one, but sometimes a different one. And in 2010, for BBC, Steve Punt tried to burn it. And it appears to have some fireproof, like, sealant on it. Oh, my God. Which then makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Um, But I love this story because it's kind of, like, getting caught up in the pop culture of, like, our own fears Mm -hmm. and what pictures mean to us. And could you capture a soul or an emotion in a picture? Right. And could that, like, cast revenge? So even though um, this, the painting in the TV show is a lot older... This is something that people did believe in and still believe in to this day. Right, right. I think it's really interesting, like, what kind of images, Mm -hmm. too. Like, it's an impoverished child, Mm -hmm. so it's more likely to be cursed, obviously. Yeah, and they're very unnerving because it's just a super close-up of young boys crying. Oh, my God. No wonder people were like, yeah, that's haunted. (laughs) Yeah, and each one is just, like, one boy in the frame with tears running down his face, which also fascinates me about England. Like, please, if you're English, tell me why every house wanted to have one of these. Because that is a very specific type of look for your house. A little dreary. A little dreary. And then I have one piece of lore I will save just to briefly mention when we talk about the end of this. Is it the dolls? Yes. (gasps) Yes. I'm I'm very excited to talk about the dolls anyway. 
yeah, we, we get to the mausoleum and that is when we first, I just want to say like how cool that mausoleum was. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, ugh, I want to go on like a graveyard tour of those mausoleums yeah, now. It also, I thought looked like an actual yeah. like mausoleum. Like it, it actually looked old mm-hmm. and like people would go in there or something. I don't know. Like it was just dirty in the correct way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I, not I feel on the like, outside. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how to explain exactly what I mean, but there's, like, a lot of grave scenes, obviously, and, like, mausoleum (laughs) scenes, and most of them look really hokey. There's, Mm -hmm. like, one I'm thinking of in particular in season two in, like, the basement of a church, and there's, like, some big fake plant growing, and it's just so, like, come on. But this actually was... Yeah. I I believe you. (laughs) Yeah, it was cool. And it also, like did give us a little cool piece of history mm-hmm. with like showing us like that style of graves and like the preserving of the child's favorite toy like that's something that the show i think has the opportunity to do and usually does kind of poorly mm. so it was neat yeah i liked it and i think part of that was um due to the fact that they they had sarah there as like a third character who knows things yes We know what to expect as far as a knowledge base when it's just Sam and Dean, but introducing another character into it who has a larger knowledge base and isn't just some jabroni. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or some... I don't know what the lady version of a jabroni is. I tried to think of it, but it just didn't come to me. Pretty sure it's jabroni. Is it? Yeah. Is is jabroni gender neutral? I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, someone check us on that. (laughs) Wouldn't wouldn't want to... Message The Rock and ask. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. I love that so Back when he was much. Mr. Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> I am someone who loves specifically the history of cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, my family's super into it. So I do recommend check out cemeteries near, near you. Also, local historical groups often have tours. And when you think cemetery, you think like dark and creepy and spooky. But honestly, it was a place of gathering. And the amount of historical people who changed each city are... It's amazing and also like what it can tell us nowadays. If you're in Columbus specifically, Greenlawn Cemetery is my favorite. They do tours quarterly, which I love attending. And um, one of our local historians, Doreen Uhas Sauer. She is my favorite historian in Columbus. So if you are local, go support them. Columbus Landmarks. And she, we went on one that was in the middle of winter and it was so cold and her and her husband gave us all hot chocolates to take on the road. Like, please support your local historians and cemeteries are way cooler than you think. Go check it out. That's my PSA. Thank you, Allie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get to the cemetery, that's when we find the old lady who's been murdered and that's when Sarah is kind of brought into this with the boys. Yeah, and I think this is the only way to really address Sam's, like, woe is me, I'm cursed, I'm gonna hurt everyone who gets close to me, because it is very rooted in the fact that it was both his mom and his girlfriend, so I think he's specifically projecting this onto, like, a feminine... Like, I don't think he would be doing this if it was, like, a dude. Um, yes. Or maybe, maybe he would. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I know that there was intention in the writer's room. Some of the writers, anyway, really wanted to write Sam as bisexual. Oh. Which we can keep an eye out for. There's a mm-hmm. lot of that in season two, if I recall correctly. So, but yeah, he never has a boyfriend. So we don't yeah. really, we don't really get to know uh, how he would react if it were a man that mm-hmm. he was involved with. Sorry, just to backtrack this a little bit, because this is news to me. They wanted to write Sam as bisexual. Yeah, one of the writers. Uh, I want to say it was Gamble. So they were like, well, if you're not going to give us Sam as a bisexual, we're going to put as much bisexual subtext into Dean as possible. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I I would love to pick all of their brains. Mm-hmm. I have so many fucking questions. Wow. Sorry, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I'll send you... I have some stuff. Nice. I'll send you my stuff. But anyway, Sarah even, uh, she has the line of dialogue where mm-hmm. she's like, that's really archaic of yes. you or whatever. And she's right. Like, you could mm-hmm. literally go outside and get hit by a bus and you mm-hmm. would die that way. So, like... Um, I did appreciate how she doesn't feed into it. And she's like, that's stupid. Yeah. Plus, like, this is the most contained villain I think that they've had. Like, it's very easy to have her help without her being put in the line of danger, too. Mm, Yeah. Another thing that I 
sort of related to Sarah directly was the little girl in the painting. Yes. Yeah, we we all are on yes. the same page about that. Yeah, because there's a power imbalance and a perceived power mm-hmm. imbalance there. They assume it's the man who is the one with the power, the ghost that's doing the thing. But in actuality, it's it's the girl. Yeah. And um, they even like push it further by having the girl ghost resemble Sarah mm-hmm. a bit. Like the you know they're both white, obviously, but yeah. like the the loosely curled brown hair and like the um, the green eyes. Although I guess the ghosts are mostly dark, but there was one shot where I was pretty sure that Mm -hmm. they weren't brown. So I made a point of this and I want to pick both of your brains on it because I had this same comparison of the ghost and Sarah. And this is what I feel like they were kind of trying to do. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe not maybe i'm just overreading into it but i felt like they were kind of showing on both ends of the spectrum like girls and women can have their own agency mm-hmm. like and they're not capable like women aren't just capable of the limitations we mm-hmm. put on them as a society but then there's a line in the end that would kind of not support that thought so i was going to mm-hmm. ask and it's when earlier i had talked about like i thought it was weird that they had mentioned that the daughter was adopted yeah. And then when they're like, well, why was she killing people? They say some people are just born evil. So then that takes away her agency. Mm-hmm. So like they kind of. No, it says some people are just born to be tortured. Yes, that's right. And I think and it was Sam who says this. And I think he's thinking of himself. But anyway. Yes. So I don't know. I just that's kind of the parallel. Sure. That I drew. Can I can I yeah. let you know? OK, so how I interpret that is. You know, while I think it's leaning on, like, a potentially harmful um, thing about, you know, non-blood relations and, like, the, you know, the bad kid, you know, stereotypes about foster children and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. What I think it's trying to do is actually relate the daughter to Sam's trauma with his mom and Jess dying. Mm -hmm. Especially, I think it's significant the way they have to burn an effigy of a a girl of like... The same way that, you know, their mom, Mary, and Jess died in a fire. And obviously they have to burn things for, you know, other ghosts all the time. But it's different because it looks so much like like a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, like, that moment there is supposed to be fighting, like, his his psyche like where his mind is at with all of this stuff like moving forward but yeah that line is interesting because i think what it's saying is that despite all of this new information that sam has received he maybe has not totally internalized it and is still maybe he's not ready yeah and i was else i was kind of shocked too that we're getting this storyline with sam because we've already kind of had this storyline and the one where we like visibly like visibly have him see Jess's ghost like in that white dress. Yeah. I thought that was going to be the last time we get this storyline from Sam. So it was a little surprising for me to have it come back. For have him like be another grief episode. It is a progression though. Yeah. Like like it feels like it's further down the the process of healing. I agree and I like it. It was a good surprise. Yeah. I thought it was a good surprise. I wish they had it said just because, like, oh, well, that's how she was born. I I just have issue with that portrayal, and I thought it was such a good surprise, and I wish they had been like, like, oh, we don't we don't know there was something going on, though, but the dad knew and was watching out. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, it didn't sit right with me how they ended there, especially with, like, our perception of children who have been through traumas. Yeah. No, I totally, mm-hmm. I'm right with you. I thought it was in poor taste. Yeah. I, but I but I think I kind of understand what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yes. Is all I'm trying to. Also, oh, I totally agree. From a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. like a six-year-old girl being able to murder an entire family with a shaving razor. Like you have to be actually pretty strong to lacerate a throat. Yeah. I, like... Not to be, like, gross and weird, but... <laughs> no, it's true. And also, like, the first person who gets killed, she would have to be in- incredibly <laughs> silent, 
immediately be able to kill to get no screams or no reactions to wake anyone else up because the second someone wakes up the other children were her age and then there was another parental figure right like Mm -hmm. they would be able to stop her just based on body mass like alone but i don't know that's nitpicking yeah whatever whatever well and to me when they say oh her family before this died like this too how old was she was she three walking around with a straight razor like right like yeah like how long between the death Mm -hmm. of her first family and the death of her second family yeah it's only i only bring it up because like this episode we had i had talked a little bit earlier about like how i like the attention to certain details Mm -hmm. yeah but then like we get the other end of the spectrum and and within the same episode (laughs) yeah it's Mm -hmm. like there's so much attention to um like artifacts and and things like that but and then knowing what provenance is and having it completely correct in there i thought was fascinating and i thought the idea of provenance was really good with i wish they had connected that more with sam and dean um because it's the idea of like ownership and passing it on and who has owned it and i think that could have really fed into um like the is sam toxic like is he creating all of these problems and yeah then like the, is he cursed yeah and then with sam and dean just as hunters i think provenance is a great thing that could have led into that and it's the title of the episode i think the reason i'm so harsh on the girl in the end mm-hmm. and her portrayal is that i think everything else in this episode i really loved and it was set up so well that's so frustrating to me that they add that little right. little like they just have to like sour it a little Mm -hmm. i also um just speaking of provenance and it being the the title and the importance of you know history Mm -hmm. in in that way i thought it was interesting that they made a point to have dean slightly out of character miss say the word several times but what they have him miss say it as is providence Mm -hmm. which i'll just go ahead and read the dictionary definition for you the protective care of god or of nature as a spiritual power Mm-hmm. which is in direct competition with Sam's idea of himself as being cursed. Yes. Well, I think arc-wise you could argue that Sam is the providence while Dean is the providence. Let's not let's not get I'm not that. getting into that. Let's... I'm just if you have seen the end of season 1 into season 2, I think you could argue. Hmm. I will let you know when we get there. <laughs> let's hear about the dolls, Allie. I was really impressed from the first time I saw this episode that this is something they get very spot on. Yeah, back in these times, there were, when you had dolls, they were often made using, like, your clothes, your hair, things like that, and it was meant to look like you. And so a lot of times, these are things that are thought to be haunted because it is taking part of your physical body. And then on top of that, like the visual representation of yourself and putting that into this inanimate object. And the most famous one that I really want to shout out is Robert the doll. Oh, yes. Down in Florida. what? You don't know about Robert? No. (laughs) Oh, buckle up. Buckle up. I didn't... I've heard so many podcasts and read so much about this that I'm just going to do it from my memory. Okay, sweet. Because I thought we'd all know. I'm sorry. No, I'm not super into, like, doll lore, I guess. (laughs) That's my hobby. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So Robert the doll is a supposedly cursed doll, and he would, like, move objects, he would fuck with people to the level that he is now. They turn the house into, like, a museum. I believe, or he is put in a literal museum, and he is encased in glass. And you have to ask him before you take a picture of him. And if you take a picture of him without, like, permission, and he's said to move and all this other shit, you're cursed. And then there's a wall of just letters of people writing apologies to this doll so that they can get this curse removed from them because of the amount of issues they're having when they leave florida when they go back home yeah you have to mail the picture back delete any trace of it and write a written letter and mail it to robert and for god don't put it online what the fuck and this is a doll that they believe was made to look at like the boy and had probably had his hair and also a matching outfit so this is one of the times where they kind of think it went a little too far and this 
Yeah, they'll say like the doll can move their videos online. Um, you're not even supposed to look at pictures of him. Yes. Jordan said when we go to Florida mm -hmm. that he wants to go and take a picture of Robert. So they they think it might be a reflection of the glass box it's in, but Itty, no matter where you take a picture of Robert from in the room, he's always facing the camera. And looking at you. And um, Robert the like doll that. is who Annabelle is based off of. Oh, okay. That's not true, actually. Oh, Wait, really? Not? Annabelle is based off of a, uh, based upon a, um, with the red braided hair dolls. Oh, yes. I heard it was like a mix, though. Like they took from Robert's story. They might have taken from it, but... But there's a physical doll that Annabelle's based off of, and it's a different mm. one. Interesting. Okay. It's funny because they actually mixed up the same thing, and I believe this podcast is haunted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. If you were into creepy stuff, if you were ever in Florida, I mean, I don't recommend you go, but you can. It's in a lighthouse too, right? Like that's the museum. It's yeah. It's some weird museum and of you course. can go and see him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like a little sailor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god i am hating this more and more by the second and there are staff members who take people on tour and refuse to enter the room and they'll like be like okay you can go in here and see robert but i'm not fucking with that i'm staying out here have fun good on them yeah mm -hmm. we had talked about at times i do feel like this episode is a little ham-fisted and i felt like the resolution very much so like it literally forced them to be alone in a house yeah. together though i did love the uses of cell phones yeah like i love like because like a monster of the week stuff like that's been around forever i always like to see like how modern time like kind of changes it yeah, up yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really fun. Them, and super like, smart. like talking on the phone through the door, like, huh, I don't need a recap right now, do you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, something I really liked about that is um, they took another opportunity to flip the script by having Sam be the one knocked prone by yeah. the furniture and mm -hmm. Sarah having to jump to his aid yes. to try and free him. And then, of course, you know, they do undo it by having him be like, no, and like <laughs> <laughs> jump on top Tackle. of her. And then she's like, oh, <laughs> for the rest of the scene. And when Dean's like, are you good? And he's like, not bad. <laughs> Well, I like, too, that she gets, like, yeeted into the yes. wall. And then he's like, are we good? And she's, like, has a thumbs up with, like, blood in her teeth. Like, <laughs> all good here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, good for her. <laughs> you know? My partner and I, when we watch this, we always talk about Dean being the damsel in distress. So he our rule is. is that if mm -hmm. Sam is, like, in the scene, you have mm -hmm. to take a shot. So if you're playing Supernatural drinking game, Oh. Take a shot when Sam is the damsel. If Dean did, your liver would be gone. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Dean's. Womp womp. Ooh. Sad boy energy. So I thought, actually, that this this actress, Taylor Cole, um, I think she's the first one besides, who did I say last time? The actress who plays Meg. I mm. think her and Taylor Cole are some of the only actors so far that have had really good chemistry with Jared Padalecki. Mm -hmm. yes. And I think that comes through like really well and is really fortunate in given the plot of this episode yes. uh, being centered around like Sam's romantic life and his mm -hmm. trauma with that. Since I've got that on the brain, do we want to talk about the goofy little eyelash scene? Yeah. It is very, it is like literally like a rom-com scene. Yeah, I was expecting like Kiss Me to start playing in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beneath the milky twilight, <laughs> leave me. Yeah, I did like how tropey it was. Like, honestly, it was super tropey, but they seemed relatively natural yeah. doing it. So, like, I didn't mind that much. And something else I really enjoy about that scene is that we get the reminder that, like, Sam's only 22 years old. Mm. Yes. Like, he's acting really childishly, but that's because he, he's a baby. Mm-hmm. I like at the end when they kiss, Sam's nose is totally squished in the first shot. Squished <laughs> into her. <laughs> I mean, hard to avoid... Like, maybe I shouldn't be one to talk, but he's got a bit of a schnoz, yeah. so. <laughs> it was just cute to watch. I'm just totally. Smoosh. Yeah. Also, the bar for kisses is set really low after the Amy Acker one, so <laughs> anything is oh, a. Yeah, and like the ones, even the ones with Cassie were very. The, yeah, the, yeah, they were gross. Yeah, they were, they were gross. I actually thought about um, 
the the parting scene with Cassie during the parting with um, Sarah here as well. Mm. Did either of you read no. anything of that? Mm-mm. Because there, it was like the same kind of like, will they or won't mm. they go back? Like both Dean and Sam say they're going to go back, but will they or do they? You know, you're sort of left unsure what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like they had a lot of chemistry, but like you knew this girl for a few days and now you're about to have a whole other lifetime. You're not going to be thinking about her after very long. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. She had pretty green eyes. Yeah, she did. She oh, was very she's pretty. so pretty. She's so pretty. <laughs> I think she could have acted with a literal tree and done a great job. Yeah, I think she's just like a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also during that scene is when Dean is, like, weirdly watching because he is so invested in this. Like, if he wasn't, like, staring all the time, I I would think it was kind of cute how invested he is, especially because he has that dialogue where he's like, that's my boy, Mm -hmm. where we're kind of reminded again that Dean has, like, this pseudo-parental role in Sam's life. The last time he said that was in um, Scarecrow, after they had had, like, overt comparisons between him and John's relationship Mm -hmm. with Sam. Sam. So I kind of forgave his like weird fixation with Sam's sex life for yes. for like for thirty straight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The one thing the one thing I will say about like the parting though, what I think is a hint that or an indication that maybe they mm-hmm. won't be back is just Sam's adamance in the middle of the episode. He says, we'll just leave. We always leave mm-hmm. yes. when he's fighting with Dean. So it does make you, again, it does make you wonder. Well, and there was kind of like the sim- the symbolic kiss with Sarah as kind of like, it's a little bit more of like a breaking of the curse in his mind mm. than like an actual. Oh, you're thinking of it like a, like a frog prince yes. or a sleeping beauty kiss. Yeah. Like a, oh, that's so cute, Jordan. And he broke the curse with the kiss. Every kiss begins with curse. (laughs) Every curse ends with kiss? No, I I like yours better. (laughs) So, I didn't have a fanfic for today because of my my pickiness with what I highlight per episode. I wasn't really able to find anything that I was interested in that was about cursed objects and, and or mostly involved Sam. Um, the only cursed object fic that I know off the top of my head is the one where Dean turns into an octopus, which mm. I highly fucking recommend. It is so hilarious and honestly, really, really sweet, but I don't have it pulled up right now. I know it's a famous one, so anyone will know it, but anyway. So, but instead of talking extensively about a fan fiction, um, we just wanted to take the time to say thank you. We have officially surpassed 500 downloads. In fact, I think at this point we're close to 650. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is the first time we're recording since we surpassed 500. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very, very excited about it. Yeah, we definitely want to thank you guys. And hopefully, since this will be a few weeks since you hear this, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be many more since then and we'll many be more hundos many more hundos yeah i am shocked that we hit about a hundred a week yeah that is absolutely amazing yeah yeah everybody just- who's like listening weekly and like the people who shout us out every tuesday when we drop new mm-hmm. episodes thank you so much we send you all the best wishes mm-hmm. yeah and all the dean bisexual kisses Mwah. aww Mwah. Yeah, I just remember us having a conversation like before we started this, we were like expecting to get around like 20 downloads by this time. So yeah, to have hit over 600. Yeah. And I think that's what between the three of us, like that would be three downloads an episode. So oh my goodness, we could just rig it. We just get like seven devices. (laughs) I told my sister that we hit a certain amount and she said, oh, so people who like Aren't your friends listen? So <laughs> fuck you, Nicole. They're our I friends do now. Just appreciate all of you. Yeah, that's true. They are our friends now. Mm-hmm. So there. Thanks for joining our little community. Yay! Do you want to go ahead and rate the episode? Ooh, yes. yes. And I'm gonna give it a three out of five. And this is a warm three. It's not like a bad three. Mm-hmm. Um, just because. I will say this episode was just a little ham-fisted, mm-hmm. um, a little direct. So it wasn't my favorite. 
but I'm going to give it three out of five eyelashes. You don't have all five, but you got at least three good ones. <laughs> Do you have only five eyelashes? <laughs> Are you a fucking brass doll? <laughs> yeah, you know, they have the little three painted on over the... Oh, my God. It was an episode about dolls. True, true. Whoa. Um, I'll give it... Four out of five body tackles. Full body oh tackles. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the lore was great. I thought how they did it was great. Again, my only one mark that takes it down is the girl in it and that story. Um, I do think it's a little ex- like explicit about its message, but I, th- I really think yeah, it's a good episode. Yeah, there's a scene literally where Sarah says, you know, there's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was like... Uh, honey no <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up because like that's all i could think about like when ali was saying that yeah half point for the girl story and half yeah. point for the lesson Ooh, i'm gonna go a little crazy Ooh. 3.75 oh we've never we've never gone outside a half we're or bringing a, out the three quarters honey yeah we are I almost gave it that. That's so funny. Wow. Same brain today. Mm-hmm. 3.75 mini quiches out of five. I was so confused. It took me a full minute to understand where the hell we were getting mini quiches. Um, Dean's adorable snacking. Surprised obviously. he didn't have them shoved in his pocket. True. He may as well have, to right. be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with what y'all have said. Mm-hmm. It's just like a little too heavy handed mm-hmm. for me. I don't like to be spoon fed my narratives. I'm complicated and I have a very big brain. So, <laughs> but actually, no, I like really want to have to think when I'm consuming media. Uh, so I don't appreciate the heavy handedness always. Well, especially and, in yeah. season one when like we don't fully understand these mm. characters. So this is when like we're mm-hmm. you're using the narrative to teach us about them. Right. It's impossible to give this like a less than positive rating mm-hmm. just on account of the character of Sarah Blake and the actress who plays her, Taylor Cole. Like just really incredible, fun character, great performance. I'm actually mm-hmm. gonna say she's the best actor we've had since the um the psychic kid mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. um I forget what episode oh, Nightmare. that was. Nightmare. Yeah, yes. that's fourteen. Yeah. God, he was incredible. Yeah. So what what next? We're getting we're getting close. That was episode twenty. No, nineteen. 19. That was episode nineteen. Ooh. So we only got a, a couple more. Only three more episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to say I'm feeling a demon coming on. We're gonna have Meg coming back. We gotta set up for the finale, and I know the finale is gonna have to be a two parter. I think yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fight we're gonna fight a demon. I'm hoping something kind of biblical. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get all Christian mythology. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to fight like a archangel turn evil or some shit. Whoa. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Manning, Colorado. Bye. Bye. Bye.